Welcome into another edition of the Angry Quarterbacks. I'm Richard Skinner from Local 12 and Local12.com with the real quarterback from Reading High School, UC, and Carolina Panther fame. He is Tony Pike. Back after a week off, we gave him a bye week, and uh, he took that bye week. And you look rested, refreshed, and ready to roll, Tony. Thank you. Uh, you know, I was expecting a little bit more with, you know, now the Hall of Fame title. Yeah, it's coming here was, in a second. Yeah, yeah, you know, but no, I'm, I'm well rested. I feel great. I, I took time this Sunday to give back to, to Mike Brown and that organization by going to the game. Wow. Shame on you, I guess. Yeah. yeah? yeah. Ho- hopefully you got some freebies. Hmm. Hopefully. I got to go to the game with Mo. Uh, okay, that's always a fun time. So it was, yeah. I'm sure that was a fun time. We enjoyed it. I bet you did. All right, we talk uh, college football, high school football, NFL. We randomly order them. This week we're going to start in college football. And let's start with the weekend for you, where your team, the 2009 Sugar Bowl team, yes. inducted into the UC Hall of Fame. Head coach Brian Kelly came back. Uh, you were obviously on hand because you were working the game. Um, a handful of other players came back. I'll just ask you first and foremost, I'm in a couple Hall of Fames in Northern Kentucky, and yeah, I, think yeah. I, think it's, I think it's cool, but yeah. I never really think of it. But for a weekend like that where there is something attached to it, and you get to maybe see some former teammates you haven't seen in a while, yeah. and I know there's there was the animosity the way Brian left, and we'll touch on that here in a second. It still has to. It still had to be a fun weekend. I, I talked to Dan Hoard because he went in the Hall yep. of Fame too, and uh, Dan's just giddy about it. And you know how Dan is. Dan's pretty low right. key. Um, all shucks, all you know. But I think he genuinely was so appreciative of that, and I'm sure you guys had to be too. Yeah. The what what I told people all week in in weekend. It's it was exciting because the way the 2009 season ended. You know, there's the Pittsburgh game, and then right from that is the circus that was the Brian right. Kelly leaving. And then you go into the circus that was the bowl game. And then after that, for a lot of those players, myself included, you have two days to figure out what agency you're going with, where you're going to do your combine training, and you're gone. And you never really had a chance to embrace that to embrace that season, to talk about that season. And everyone remembers the, the Pittsburgh game, right. but there's so many different points of... There's like, a bobblehead that immortalizes that, by the way. Apparently. Yeah, apparently. It's still floating out there. It but, but it's like, you know, the the bus ride back or the other games that season, just different players talking about different moments that we never had before. We had that Friday and Saturday. And that to me, you know, and and going in as a team, you know, the there was, you know, the the back to back NCAA championship teams in basketball were in it. But other than that, there's no other football team. Uh and and to be a part of that and and really, you know, go in with all the guys that had a a big major impact because that team was it was made up a lot of a local talent, but not the local talent that they're getting now because right, they're getting right. the three- and four-star yeah, guys, guys in the they're, area. They're not getting the Redding dumpster fire no, quarterback. They're, no, man. they're not Hope getting Hope. the one-star kid from Redding anymore with a little chip on it. Like, they're getting dudes, and, and we were kind of that, you know, that group that carried ourselves differently and, and bought into what Brian Kelly was, was, was preaching, and that was able to take that – that team and that season to, to new heights. And it was, it was, it was great to get back with everybody. Uh, Travis Kelsey came back, right? It was yeah. the Chiefs bye week. I know a handful of other players. But Aaron but, Webster was back. Yeah. Andre Revels oh, yeah. was back. Uh, so, yeah. But, but there, uh, were a handful of guys, there were a handful of guys missing, though, right? Yeah. I mean, you didn't have uh, – Marty is coaching, I believe, high school yeah, in Massachusetts. Um, Armand Benz is coaching receivers at Hampton mm-hmm. University. And, and less, you can't get – logistically, right. you can't get everybody right. all the time. Uh, a lot of the linemen weren't able to come back. We did have Alex Hoffman and Chris Jurek. That were back. Uh, Jeff Linkenbach wasn't there. Sam Griffin, Ben Gadouli, who played a right. big role. Yep. Um, guys like that, that that weren't able to make it. But you still had a, a good core group of guys that came back, and uh, it, it was great. I, I was told 
like a day before the the event that I was going to have to speak on behalf of Aaron Webster and I were going to have to speak on behalf. So throwing together a a speech a, a speech at the end of you're not uh, a wing it kind of guy. Uh, no, not usually. Not usually. I, I don't like to just wing it. And um, Mo emceed the event. Okay, which was interesting because I think a lot of the players from that team don't know who really know who Mo right, is. And right. Mo came out and his first jab, he said, you know, I I uh, the team is playing or the the university is playing the 2009 Pittsburgh game at the Fifth Third yes, Arena yeah, tailgate. I heard that. that sounds really cool. That sounded really cool. And he was like, you know, I, I urge people to stop by there. And he said, I've I've urged Tony to stop by there as well. He said, but if 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 it would only be fitting, much like the game, if you just showed up for the second half. <laughs> and there was like a spattering of laughter, yeah. and I was laughing. But yeah, you got. I don't it, think yeah. a lot of the other guys <laughs> yeah. got it. Yeah. And I was like, oh, okay, this will be. <laughs> No, it was a great, great night, and, and obviously Dan Horde going in was great yeah. as well. Um, Brian Kelly came back. Um, it was an off week for Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. He didn't have to. I, I right. think it's cool I think that that's he, the key there. He I didn't th- have to come I back. I think it was cool that he did. As you know, time heals a lot of things. Brian actually, it was interesting, and Bill Cook has written a book on that season, as you yeah. know. Um, Brian continues to maintain that the way things went down weren't his fault. And yeah. I know that sounds like passing the buck, and maybe it is. I mean, he's a salesman on top of everything oh, yeah. else and a BS or on top of everything Every else. Every answer he gave to the media was a great answer. Yes, correct. Which, which is what he's really good he's at. He's very good at that. Do you, do you buy that, though? I mean, it it made it sound like, listen, I wanted to tell these guys after the banquet or at the banquet or however I was going to be able to do this, and yeah. it wasn't allowed to be done on my time frame because I guess someone from Notre Dame leaked that he was going to become the head coach. Do you buy that? I I, I can buy it. I don't know if it happened, but I can buy it. Here's the thing I struggle with, and I think the quote you're going with was when he said he wanted to congratulate everyone, but it was taken from him. Yes. I think that was a different choice of words. My only question to that is, even so, even when you have to take that job, a lot of those guys, including me, I didn't hear from Brian Kelly before the Sugar Bowl. I didn't hear from him before or after the draft of a congratulations or good luck or anything like that. So I think if it was It was more, almost like he completely turned the page yeah, and, and that there was, was that. nothing else. Yeah. And maybe that's some of Notre Dame to do with it too, but I can say this from and, and it was a, a cool story. Mike Bone was walking Brian Kelly uh, from his car and he showed him the new arena and as he was walking through Pittsburgh had just scored at the end of the game and Brian Kelly stood there and watched the last drive and told Mike Bone that was the first time he'd watched it. Really? Which was really well, I mean I guess that's that a, makes sense. Yeah, I mean, that's yeah. A, and that's a cool Yeah. That, that that's cool to have. Uh-huh. So uh, I got to interview Brian Kelly for the pregame show after the media hoopla, and and I just asked him about that team and what he remembered about the season, and then I asked him, you know, I I had said, you know, my my wife and I were watching the Pittsburgh game on TV a couple weeks ago, and my wife looked at me, and in the first half and said, "How are you still in the game? I would have benched you already." And I followed she that even up. Even recognized And that. I followed that up with how close was I to being benched? And he gave like the most Brian Kelly, never. Oh, no, you were never going to be benched. Baloney. I knew when I looked in your eyes at halftime and all this. And I'm bro, like, oh. bro, you and I know this. If right. you hadn't chased the Correct. guy down on the interception, you were done. Correct. <laughs> Correct. So, so much of what Brian Kelly says is great because it's exactly what the right. fan base and the media wants and needs to hear. That's, that's funny. Were you glad he came back? I was. No, yeah. I, I, he, and to his credit, he, he went up to every player individually. And my brother even made a comment. My brother was a walk-on that year. Uh, didn't play, but he was on the team. And he went up and said, hey, Doug, how you doing? And took I mean, he genuinely took a minute or two with every player that was there to just say thanks, catch up real quick. And then he was, you know, I'm, I'm pretty sure he watched the fourth quarter from his couch because he was out of there right after. But, no, like you said, he didn't have to come back. 
Uh, he chose to come back, and it, it was good. It, it was a, a really good event. Now, at, at the point that you guys came on the field, I was actually finishing up an errand, going back home yeah. to watch the game, and, and I heard Dan Horde during the broadcast said there was a smattering of boos. Is that about... Yeah, Is that about right. Yeah, and on the field level, you couldn't really okay. hear him when you were yeah, on the field. Yeah, I couldn't field hear him in the anyway. broadcast. Yeah. So that's when Dan said that. It kind of took me, it didn't take me back, but I thought I don't really hear that. But Dan's yeah. there, and he can. Yeah, there, you could. I think you could pick out a couple, but for the most part, it was and it, and the way they did it, they announced the team, and then shortly after Brian Kelly came out. Right. So right. If for the average fan that's just clapping, he probably didn't even see Brian yeah, Kelly the, come out. The, the thing I've told people, and, and listen, I mean, you you lived it. Um, I can't see as a fan how you are mad at Brian Kelly. You can be mad at how it went down, but it's impossible to be mad that he took the Notre Dame job. I said I can understand the players yeah. and their level if they're still upset with this because that was their coach who you feel like kind of abandoned you without saying goodbye, and I, I think that's fair for you guys to feel the grudge. I don't think it's right. I, I, I don't understand the fan that holds that grudge, and maybe they're holding on behalf of you guys. Maybe that's yeah, and the I, case. and I think the only grudge that was held was how it happened because – you know, Mark D'Antonio did the same thing, mm-hmm. but Mark D'Antonio met with the team right. and was very open about it, and Brian Kelly really wasn't. But at the end of the day, if you're going to be mad, then then we should be mad at the way college football has these Correct. rules in place. Yes. That yeah. that shouldn't happen. No, if, that's you, right. if you start a season, then you should finish it. And that's I agree with that. That's, I mean, that's you, a college football no, theme. No coaching hire should be done until yes. after the national right. championship game. So if you're going to be mad the story. and you're mad at how it happened in the moment because you're preparing for the Sugar Bowl, fine. But ten years later, there's no reason to to still hold that. And, and and I think it was interesting because he had mentioned that someone had mentioned if we had played for the national title, he said I probably wouldn't be the coach at Notre Dame. I think that was interesting because I don't think he leaves for the national championship. I think he has to coach the I national think you championship. Have to. Yes, I think you have to. So there there was just that. And then then there's the uh, there's a couple bowl projections out there right now that if UC can take care of business. They could possibly see Notre Dame in, in one of those. Wouldn't that be something? Yeah, and, and I think that'd be a, a very fitting way to end the year. And Brian Kelly may be upset he didn't stick around longer and do some scouting. Yeah. Uh, lastly, on, on this topic, w- when you look back, um, w- w- was there a moment or two that just, other than maybe the Pittsburgh throw, where that, that season stood out to you? Yeah, I, th- I think we, we started the season, picked third in the Big East, and we were on the road at Rutgers on to, Labor Day. Right. It was a Monday game. It was the only game on. Rutgers was picked to, to win. Uh, they were picked ahead of us in the league. It was Greg Schiano. They were opening up new stadium renovations. And that week. was that was kind of the heyday of Rutgers football. There right. hasn't been a real big heyday of Correct. Rutgers football, but that was kind of the heyday Correct. of Rutgers Correct. And we literally, I mean, we had unveiled our, we wanted to run 100 plays a game, fast tempo, and we just rolled through Rutgers. And I think that kind of got the ball rolling for us. And then I think the trip we took to Oregon State to go across the country, beat a really good, a ranked Oregon mm-hmm. State team with the Rodgers brothers yep. and Sean Canfield. Uh, that was when Mike Riley, I believe, yes, had that I team going right. yes. to win that. And I think that was like, before he took the NFL job. Yeah, um, and, and yep. yeah, they were actually going to, pretty well to win that. And then it was kind of like the okay, let's look at the rest of the schedule. And there was that growing belief that we could do something special. But those two games, to me, stand out a little bit more. Let's correlate that team to this UC team, and it's not a direct correlation because this UC team already has a loss yeah. to Ohio State, which. Again, the more, the more you separate yourself from that game, it still doesn't look so bad. Saturday was not pretty, but it was effective, and it's still a win, and it's a double-digit win. Yeah. Um, I, I, you know, I, I never looked those in the mouth. I think you can also look at. Listen, we got kind of got got through the game. Yeah. I don't say lucky because they weren't lucky. UC was the better team. Um, and it feels like the the couple of times the bye week has popped up, it's almost like. Needed it. Good time. And here it is again. Here's yeah. the bye week again, coming off kind of an ugly win. Didn't play great the week before yep. at Houston, but still never felt like they were out of control of those games. And maybe that's the good sign is 
there's still something in the tank that we still, and maybe we're never going to see it, but it feels like there's still something there for this team. And the one thing I do know is you're getting a consistent yeah. defensive performance week in, week out. Well, yeah. P- barring injuries, and they right. feel like they're starting to pile up a little bit. Well, I mean, defensively, though, you lose James Wiggins at the start of the year, who's your best NFL prospect. Javon Hicks has been great. And, and, and the, the guys that are making plays defensively are local recruits, which I mean, is Hicks great. Hicks has, what, seven takeaways yes. now? Something like that? I mean, like Javon that? Hicks has been great. Jarrell White has been great. Um, defensively, they're consistent. They're really good defensively. Now, they gave up a couple long balls against Houston. Uh, but for the most part, they take the ball away. Sudden change, they've been great. Yep. Des Ritter fumbles inside the 10. You hold him to a field goal. Uh, Marcus Freeman's going to be an ed- or a, a college coach yes. really soon. Head coach. Yes. Yeah, he's already a college coach. Or, yeah, college head coach really soon. That. But when you look at what this team's done this year, UCLA was a dogfight for most of that game. Mm-hmm. Uh, they trailed Miami 10 nothing after the first quarter. Uh, they have struggled at times in different games this season other than UCF and Marshall. Is that can you pinpoint that as maybe just De- a little Des little lack of days Yeah, is that is that the running game's not well, the I, consistent factor you thought it I would be? I think when they've struggled, Des has struggled, and and not to say Des has been terrible, no, but no, he just he's has not, he's been hesitant at times. You don't you haven't seen him run the ball as much in the like you know he made a couple of huge plays running late in the Houston game, but against Tulsa you didn't see him run the ball much. They couldn't get the they couldn't get the running game going. I think the inconsistencies on offense have reared their head a lot more. Then defensively, I think going into the season, it would have been an opposite. I think you'd have felt with Dez and Mike Warren coming back and the receiving core getting better that you'd know what you have on offense. It seems like they're still trying to figure it out. And I get going into a game like Saturday against a Tulsa team that gives up a lot of rushing yards and saying we're going to run the ball. Yeah, and they've sold out to stop the right. run. But so. when Tulsa takes that away, then yeah. you have to change up the game plan and start making some, some different plays. So I give the defense all the credit. And I give a guy in, in – I, I said this after the game, it was fitting. The 2009 team was the motto of next man in, and you hear it a lot now mm-hmm. of, of someone coming in. Jared Dokes is a guy two years ago led the team in rushing, missed an injury all last year, was out in, again with a knee injury this year, comes in for Michael Warren and has three touchdowns against Tulsa. He literally willed them to a win offensively because they needed all three of them. The the the, the one on the on the kind of the option route, yes. where he actually he chucks the chucks the the linebacker yep. and I can't remember which it was it was somebody on the edge, chucked them coming in, almost got himself knocked off balance right. doing so, circles back out into the middle catches of the field, it. catches it, and then makes an incredible yeah. run for the pylon, which is a novel concept in sports that you can throw to your running back out of the backfield, which we'll after get they, to after they chip a little, yeah, which we'll get to later yes, in the yes, show. Yes, we will. Uh, but no, uh, Jared Dokes and the defense. You know, set their mark. And Luke Fickle even said after the game, these are sometimes games you need sure. during the course of a season. And Brian Kelly said it uh, when we did our pregame interview. He said the weird thing about the 2009 season, until the Pittsburgh game, we never really went through that adversity. We never had a game where we were down multiple scores in the season. We always kind of were in control to some point. And for UC, even though Miami was up 10 nothing, you felt like you were yeah, in control. Yeah, they're still a better team, right. That Tulsa game and, – and Tulsa – Look, they lost to Oklahoma State. They lost a, a good game like 34, to... 34-19, or am I drawing Yeah, Michigan State was 28-7 yeah, to start the year. And then SMU, who's ranked yes. above UC, they were beating them by 21 in the fourth quarter. So it's not like Tulsa overall was a just a, a terrible team, but it's a team you should have handled better than what you did offensively. But again, banged up, bye week comes at the right time. They're 6-1, and one, they're bowl eligible, and they have... Luke Fickle, 75 grand right. for that win, my man. They, look, they have... East Carolina, a win. Uh, UConn, an easy win. 
USF an easy win, and then you have yeah I, the the road I guess makes yeah me, makes a little, me just a little hesitant, but they're clearly the better. But then team. you're Temple and Memphis, and you control your destiny on what you can do. Possibly host a AAC championship game. Yeah, and I, I think an SMU schedule is tougher going forward. Yeah, it is no than question. what UC's is. Yeah, if you and then the good, good part is because Memphis is either yeah. going to be ranked again or is at least going to be pseudo a team that people respect because they've had a good year mm-hmm. and they're going to continue to have a good year. Um, Temple's probably a seven and five ish, eight and four team, but that would still be a, a pretty good win. Correct. Um, if you were then to play SMU um, in the title game or however that would shake down and get a win. That would be a quality win. Right. I think if UC ran the table, and this is a control-your-own-destiny moment, right. that's all you're asking for, because, right? You're in the New Year's Six Because bowl. Boise lost. Yes. Boise's lost this past week. To BYU. Week. To BYU makes that now UC's Yeah, because UC would, lose. would like, well, whoever wins the AAC. Yeah, you control your own destiny. SMU, yep. UC, whatever. One Memphis, of those Memphis. Possibility, yeah. One of those teams will be the highest rated, in my opinion, Correct. power or um, uh group of six yep. conference teams, and that team gets an automatic berth right. in one of the New Year's Six Bowl games. And the crazy thing is about the AAC, you have that opportunity, and if it's not that, it's something like the Car Care Bowl yeah, or a, the it, Birmingham it, it Bowl. It is a huge drop-off. It's off. a big drop-off. So yeah. there's a lot to play for going forward. Yeah, no question, which I think it's all you yeah. want. Correct. All right. Now, you mentioned about this, you know, the, the whole facing adversity. Ohio State has not faced oh. a lick of it to this Good point. Coming gracious. off a bye week. We were all looking forward to the showdown of unbeaten Wisconsin, unbeaten Ohio State. Wisconsin got caught looking ahead, yep. and it snap, crackle, popped them. The thing is, this is no longer an elimination game for for either. It's only an elimination game for Ohio State. Yes. Um, but the more I watch, I, I, I love the fact that Wisconsin is true to what it wants to be, which mm-hmm. is we're just going to get a bunch of big old linemen, we're going to line up, and we're going to play old-fashioned old, old yep. smash-mouth football, here we come. And our defense is good enough to keep us in it. Well, the defense has given up a couple of big plays. Gave up a couple of big plays against Northwestern. Yep. Gave up a couple of big plays on Saturday. And I just, now that I look at this game for Ohio State, if it had been two undefeateds, Wisconsin rolling in, I might have given them a puncher's chance. Now I'm looking and going, I don't see how Wisconsin scores much on that Ohio no. State defense. Chase Young in the, in the defense. I mean, that, 10 points? They're, 13? They're, they're so good with Justin Fields and... J.K. Dobbins that no one talks about the defense, right? The defense which could is, be just as dominant. That's why I think it's the most complete team in the country Absolutely. to this point. No, I, I, if I'm putting the rankings, they're number one, far above anyone else right now, and it, it's crazy because when you when you look at Ohio State, you almost have to say, okay, start them with 35 points. That's my yeah. And it's like okay, and, and from how's there, that defense? That defense isn't giving right. up that many. From there. Can Wisconsin score 35? No. I don't think so. I don't think Wisconsin scores 21. I don't think Wisconsin gets out of the 10s. Right. I, I think they. you saw a weakness that Cohn is, is not the guy. No. He's a, he's a manager, and yeah. that's okay. And, and when you have a team that can stop the run like Ohio State will be able to, then you have to have a way to throw the ball. Unless they bring Chase Wolf in. They bring Wolf in, I give him a chance. Maybe, just because it's, maybe, just because I'm maybe, a big I'm a big Chase Wolf Maybe guy. they have to. They might have to. Maybe they will. Uh, but, but what, again... Start start Ohio State with thirty five. Correct. And do the math. Can the other team? And I don't think so. And and to me, that is when you look at that game, and you look at the rest of the season for Ohio State. That that's how I judge them going forward. Yeah, I, I'm no, starting I'm, them with thirty five or forty two in some games. I I, I, I I said two weeks ago I start them at forty, and unfortunately they only scored thirty four against. Yeah. So let's start them at thirty four. Thirty four yep. is the, the the minimum right now for yep. them. Could you imagine what is going on in Georgia right now? They're a mess with the way they've struggled, and now looking at—I mean, they play. Look as, at the quarterback we had, dude, And I think Fromm's really good. I don't see. I don't. I've never liked like, his arm strength. But I think he's been yeah. surrounded by stars. Can are, you imagine the the 
the noise down there. No question. Looking at Justin Fields, and you lost him on that roster. I mean, they kept Kentucky in a game where Kentucky's yeah. playing a wide receiver Correct. quarterback in the rain. Correct. I mean, you kept them around. It was and, and I, whoever the analyst was, and I'm drawing a complete blank. I was watching it in a in a, in a bar restaurant um, for the most part. It made the point of it feels like they have just decided to tell Kentucky we're going to go run, run, screen pass, and be happy to punt the football away. Yep. And they Win were. The field position. And honestly, if Kentucky hadn't got the touchdown call back, or not early, but where they would have taken a seven nothing lead in the second half, yeah, totally different. I think Georgia plays with a puckered ass the rest of the night. Yep. And that's not a good place to be. Completely different. All right, let's look at Ohio State as you get through the Wisconsin game. Maryland Rutgers are two layups. Yes. Penn State comes to Columbus. They go to to Michigan. Michigan's got another big game this week with Notre Dame for for the Jim Harbaugh Bowl. Oh. Um, is Penn State good enough to put some points up? I mean, I Sean just, Clifford's been great. Yeah, he he's been great. I just again, from what I've seen from this Ohio State defense, until I see someone score consistently on them, I don't. So that becomes maybe the next elimination game, though, yes. right? Because if Penn State gets to that point yep. unbeaten, and I, I keep I I don't think Penn State is a Honestly, I put them below Auburn to be quite frank, and they've yeah. got. A, I honestly still put them below Georgia, yeah. and they've got a loss. Penn State's got questions. Michigan, I'm not so sure. I don't Michigan's put them below Wisconsin shambles. even. Still. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't know how Ohio State doesn't run the table. I, I would agree with you, and and uh, and gets to the to the uh, to the title game. Yes, uh, Miami over the weekend coming up with a um, um, well, actually coming up this weekend they've got Kent State. They came up with a nice win over Northern Illinois, so they got to trudge their way towards keeping the Chuck. Chuck uh, Martin job alive and maybe get to a bowl game and maybe they they do so. Right, let's look nationally, where we we talk of in terms of Ohio State. It's funny you talk about uh, buyer's remorse for Georgia yeah. maybe letting Fields go. I don't think Ohio State has buyer's remorse because they have Fields, but they had Joe Burrow at one point and the things he's doing at LSU. Yeah. Um, that, but that's worked out well for both for, sides. For, yeah, agreed. Um, Joe Burrow was was for a minute coming, he was to, coming Cincinnati. to Cincinnati. Yeah. I mean that, that he would be the quarterback yes. probably ahead of Desmond Ritter right now, yep. right? Um are they better than Alabama? Uh without we'll Tua? We'll see. Without Tua, yes. Uh without Tua that changes a lot. And that's why I've been asked a lot about um draft stuff for the Bengals. I like Joe Burrow ahead of Tua. I'm liking Joe Burrow more and more. I like Justin Herbert ahead of Tua because Tua has the best of everything. And Joe Burrow's done it with... Got a freaking howitzer, though, man. He does. He does. But, man, I, I, I've been extremely impressed with Joe Burrow. I have it's, too. it's just going to be, can they get over that hump and, and beat Alabama? Joe because, Burrow, watching him as a quarter, I mean, it feels like he's got every throw. Two, it feels like he's got one one line of trajectory. Yes. I'm wrong on this. I know that. He, but it, he it can feels put some like top that. on it. Yeah. Um, Joe Burrow feels like he has every throw. The long yeah. the long one well, from a hash mark to the out of bounds. I, I like Joe Burrow because it just his movement in the pocket yeah. feels more clean. Yes. And it's not as it's not clean, a scramble. It's and a, it's, it's a not movement. as clean of a pocket as Tua gets. And if you're looking at a quarterback for the future, yep. the offensive line's not going to be perfect. Yep. So I want a guy that's that's used to moving around and having to throw at weird angles and drop your arm down a little bit. But it it's interesting because I think Oklahoma runs the table. I do too. I think Ohio State runs a table. Clemson's running the table. And I think Clemson runs a table. So that that almost makes, again, people have talked about a, a two SEC teams, that LSU-Alabama. Wow, I mean, it, could you, you imagine if LSU beats Bama and Bama's out of the college can you football playoff? Let's say they beat them on a last-second field goal. Right. I mean, that's, that, that, right. that could be the case. And they could also re- – no, they could. That would be a, it would be a nightmare for yes. college football. Yeah. Wow. Because you have to go – Clemson right. and Oklahoma. So if we sat here today, we'll, we'll do it as we do it every week. We sit here today. Give me your four. As we sit here today. As we sit here today. And, and I'll give you the caveat of knowing that one of the Alabama LSU teams, yeah. one of those loses. As we sit here today, I still have to put Bama until they lose. Okay. Ohio State, 
Oklahoma, and I still have to have Clemson there because say what you want. I know Clemson has struggled at times. I still think Dabo can right the ship when they I feel th- like they need to. I also think you have to include them because they are definitively going to run the table, and the good part is yes. if they don't run the table, then and, they are out. And they have shown over the past couple of years they can play with anybody. Yes. They rise and, and they play their best against the Alabamas. Yeah. Where yeah. are you going? Let's see. Huh? Who are you going with? I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with your same four, but I would be damn close to putting LSU ahead ahead of Alabama. Yeah. The only reason I, put, I leave Clemson is I just know they run the table. I, just, yeah. I, I know I, it's not even debatable. And there is Ohio one, State's number one for me. Yeah, there is one other thing that's worth noting. I, I put this on Cincy 360 yesterday. Uh, the job Peyton Ramsey did this past weekend for Indiana, and then for Tom Allen to come out and rave about you know Peyton he Ramsey. Him. He's a man. He prepared because. Into, he lost his job yes, to Michael Penix. Because in today's football, 9 out of 10 quarterbacks go into the transfer portal and they yes. tank right yes. after that. And and Tom Allen said after that game, Peyton prepares every day like he's a starter. In the weight room, in the film room, on the field, Peyton comes in, does great. Uh, good for good for Peyton Ramsey um, and, and good you know to, to get that win and, and to get the respect that, that he should because uh, he, he was his name was kind of run through the dirt a little bit when they – they chose to to bench the school's all-time leading leader in completion percentage. Yeah, and I will say, I can't remember what game it was. I think it was two weeks ago they played uh, Rutgers yeah. and shut them out. And Peyton came in in the second half in relief just yep. to get Michael Payne excited. He might have even gotten hurt, but whatever it was. Um, and, and they talked about that, that Peyton, I guess, wants to be a coach like like his dad, Doug. And he, the, Tom Allen even told him, said, listen, hey, you won the job a couple of years ago. He beat you out for the job. And as a future coach... Sometimes it's a tough decision to make. I right. had to make that decision. Yep. Doesn't mean I don't still believe in you. And Peyton Ramsey took it. You yep. mentioned prepared, and voila, look Correct. what he does a week ago. Stayed ready, and, yeah. and it paid I think, off. I think it says something. All right, we'll take a time out. When we come back, we got some high school football to talk about. We got some big, big matchups coming up this week, and a lot of playoff implications. Huge on the playoff line. implications. Winton Woods playing its final game of the season in week nine, and it's win. Or Winton Wood stays home. That's incredible to me. And we got some NFL still to talk about ahead as we continue. It's the Angry Quarterbacks from ESP Media. Uh, I'm Richard Skinner. He is Tony Pike, and we broadcast live from the James Rapine Memorial Studios. Yes. Getting answers, finding solutions. Local 12 News investigates. As soon as we called you, everything happened very quickly. Not afraid to ask the tough questions. Taking action, getting the truth. Local 12 News investigates. Romualdo has been helping men, and now women, Looked their best for over 50 years. Established in 1968 by Master Taylor Romualdo in the quaint community of Madeira, Ohio, Romualdo has become a Cincinnati staple for authentic menswear, bespoke garments, and old world tailoring. Gathering national recognition while staying true to their goal of delivering exceptional products with unparalleled service, Romualdo is truly a destination for any style-minded individual. Located at 7121 Miami Avenue in the heart of Madeira, Romualdo is more than just a suit shop. Stop in for anything from denim and t-shirts to sport coats, sweaters, grooming products, and much more. As we approach the holidays, Romualdo is your one-stop shop for the best gifts for the men and women in your life. Centrally located just 15 minutes from downtown, 10 minutes from Hyde Park, and a quick jaunt from Mason, Romualdo, suited for the everyday man. 7121 Miami Avenue in Madeira. Welcome back in to segment two of this week's edition of the Angry Quarterbacks. I'm Richard Skinner from Local 12 and Local12.com with the real quarterback, Tony Pike. This segment, we'll talk some high school football as we're starting to wind down. Actually, it'll be the first week of sectional playoff uh, football in Indiana, so they're already playoff bound. 
is the next to last week for Kentucky and uh, Ohio teams, but some Kentucky teams actually have buys next week, so for some teams, they're playing their final game. We'll get to the Kentucky side of things here in just a second, but let's start in Ohio, and we kind of do this by uh, by regions and where things stand in the Harbin ratings, and in Division One, Region 4, at the bottom of it, it is an absolute jumbled mess. Five teams, four teams have already clinched. Fairfield, yep. Elder, X, and Colerain. X coming off the loss uh, this past weekend to LaSalle, but still in, in uh, third position and clinched the playoff berth. Lakota West sits fifth, and they control their own destiny. They play a big game that will be broadcasting. We'll have it for you on ESP Media. I'll have it for you on ESP Media on Friday. Lakota West at Princeton, and Princeton sits at number six, and that's where the jumbled mess begins. There is a huge gap between Lakota West and then the next tier of teams, which is Princeton at six, Sycamore at seven, Hamilton at eight, Walnut Hill's still mathematically alive at 9, Mason at 10, and even Lakota East at, at 11. It is a complete jumbled mess. Princeton's in pretty good shape if it can win one of its last two games, but uh, who knows if they do. I mean, the, the better teams on the schedule they've played, they've not been able to beat. I guess it makes for some fun, fun football. And also, you look and you go, man, those teams that are going to get home games in the first round, Fairfield, Elder, St. X, and Colerain, other than Colerain West, the 4-5, mm-hmm. top three teams are going to easily advance, it looks like, to round number two. Well, I mean, and, and you never know because of the talent what Princeton can Correct. do if they sneak in. Uh, but, yeah, man, they, the, the top of that list is super talented. And, again, there are teams look, – look at some of the top teams in this area and what they do well. Elder, they can run the ball right. really well. Playoff football, weather, cold, you need that. Fairfield runs the ball great really well. Great defensively. Colerain can run the ball. St. X, that's, that's a little bit of a question mark. St. X has relied a lot on Matthew Reavy. And their defense just isn't clicked. It's not what it's not what it's been in the past. So that's a little bit of of what to watch going forward because for different teams, there's different paths to to get where you want, and a lot of that relies on at some point you have to be able to run the game, run the ball, and at some point you have to be able to stop other teams. Yeah, and and they again they've been playing with fire in a lot. I mean, you know, struggle with Moeller, right? Um, you know, a couple of games early in the year that were tight wins. And, and look, Moeller, or Elder had a couple of those too. Right. But you have an identity with Elder, right? And Elder ended up beating X head to head. The yep. identity of Elder is, yeah, we're not great defensively, but we are great offensively at what we do, which is we're going to line up and here we come and try to stop us. And Correct. Nobody really has to this point. Right. So there you go. Um, in fact, I mean, even St. Edward, it was, they scored points on St. Edwards. They gave up a bunch, but they right. scored points on St. Ed's. So. Um, speaking of which, Moeller, how about the, oh, how about the national TV game? Is Moeller going to St. Edward? St. Ed's, they're they're decent this year, right? Yeah. So, wow. And and I I never never had anything like this in high school, but if I had the opportunity in high school to play on ESPN, oh, you'd love it, right? I would, I would try to score a hundred points. Like I, I would try to make it my own person. I would I would be trying to make ESPN's top ten. You think St. Ed's would try that? I don't think St. Ed's I don't think I don't think St. Ed's scores a hundred, but I think St. Ed's can score fifty. Um, I I think they easily scored score fifty on Elder. They scored what was it forty two thirty? They scored forty two on Elder. Yeah. They scored fifty one on Winton Woods. Oh man. Um. Yeah. That's it's that's not going to be good. It's, mm. it's brutal. Uh, let's move on to Division Two, Region Eight. And this is and that's that's at Ed's, right? And that's at Ed's. That's and I, and that's I, I talked to my my brother who played at Elder earlier in the year. He said going up to Ed's, so that's a tough trip because you got to make the drive, you get off the bus, yep, you got to warm up. It's a it's always a tough physical game, and then you're back on the bus. Like that's a hard trip to make for really good teams. 
Oh, man, and that's a, that's a hard trip to make for a team that doesn't have much confidence. I, I get why national TV wants to pit some. I mean, if yeah. you know the names, but do your homework a little right. bit. I mean, look, this was not going to be a good Moeller team going into this season. Right. It's kind of bottomed out worse than maybe anyone expected it to bottom out. But but honestly, do some homework. Right. right goodness gracious. All right, now this is where it gets interesting. In Division Two, Region Eight. Turpin, uh, LaSalle, Harrison are one, two, three. They all control their own destiny. They're all in very good Connor shape. Connor Connett, Harrison. Harrison's having a really good year. Yes. Their only loss to East Central mm-hmm. in overtime, and East Central is still undefeated in Indiana, ranked number two in Class 4A over there. Um, then you get down to Anderson at number eight. Anderson probably would have come close to clinching or at least controlling if it had beaten Turpin last week. It was a good game. Talawanda's nine, and then unbelievably, there's <laughs> Winton Woods. Yes. Which this week plays LaSalle, so it kind of controls its destiny to get because it's going to get yes. a bunch of second level points with a win. But it is literally win or you don't. Yes. Win Woods doesn't get in. It's crazy. Mayan Williams. Now, does this say something about the Harbin, or does this just say, hey, tip of the cap to you, Winton Woods, for playing a tough schedule? Shouldn't shouldn't there be some credit? Here, I mean, here's what's honestly happened to them, and I feel for them. I mean, here's their losses this year. They lost to St. Edward. Yep. So did Elder. Lost by a similar margin, twenty mm-hmm. points. Lost to Christian Brothers from Missouri, which is a six and two team, which equates to a Division One team. Mm-hmm. Um, when you look at the Harbors, they lost forty two thirty one and lost to Elder forty two thirty seven. So the three teams they lost to have a combined record of twenty and four. Yes, like that. That's tough. I mean, that that's and again, you're you're still in a position to win, and you're in. Yes. But man, could you imagine the playoff football in Ohio without Mayan Williams I, and that Winton Woods team? It, it would be stunning. Yeah, it would be stunning. Um, They've, they've been hampered, unfortunately, by the fact that they did play Moeller and beat them, and Moeller only has the one win, so yep. they get no you know no help second level there. Uh, Edgewood is a Division II team, and Edgewood's usually a, a solid 7-3-ish, 8-2 team. Unfortunately for this year, Edgewood sits at 2-6. At so they've kind of been hampered by a couple of those things, but my goodness gracious, I, I wish there was some way, and I like the Harbins. I like it better than the Kentucky system, and I'm a Kentucky guy, mm-hmm. but I like the Harbins. I like the fact you have to earn your way into postseason football. Because, let's face it, some teams don't, A, deserve, or B, have the physical capability of, of matching up with better teams and playing right. football. So, yep. there's always that. But, there's something should be done. I don't know how you do it. I don't know how, the, I'm not a mathematician, but shouldn't there be some other way to, to get credit for at least scheduling tough? Yeah, I mean, that, that... Or maybe I'm just looking for a perfect system and there isn't one, Tony. Well, it's hard. It's hard because there's not a perfect system, but what, what's the message you want to send? Schedule cupcakes and win yeah. well, nine games? It, it, or And it will help Winton Woods next year they join the ECC. Correct. So they get a chance to that'll help out. That'll help out a lot. But still, man, that's that, that'd be a tough pill to swallow if you come it, up short against LaSalle. It really would be. All right, in Division Three, Region 12, Chaminade Julian is number one. But then followed by Franklin, Wapakoneta, Trotwood Madison, whose only loss this year was to Winton Woods, 36-7. Yep. to seven. And then uh, locally, you've got 6-7-8. and eight. You've got Baden, Ross, and Hughes. Mount Healthy's on the outside looking in. So is so is Fenwick. I think it'd be kind of cool if, if if Hughes somehow snuck its way into the playoffs. Yeah, I mean at this point, this point of the season, however many teams you can get in for this area just bolsters what Cincinnati high school football is all about. And again, we, we've seen it. St. X was the perfect example years ago. Just get in, yeah. and give yourself a chance. I mean, things can happen along the way. Sometimes it's a long shot, but get in to the playoffs. In a system where it means something. We've talked about the other systems where everyone gets in. 
get in, it means something, and, and you have a chance. Hughes, uh, this Saturday, plays Aiken. Aiken's 5-3. and three. They're also a Division three team, same level. So I, I would think you win that game. They're going to win their last game. they got Gamble Montessori, which is a 1-6 Division six team. I would think for Hughes, you win this week and you're in. Another Yeah, another one of those win and you're in. I think that's that, that, like would, it. that would be awesome. In Division Four, Region 16, Wyoming, it feels like got penciled in at number one. Not only is Wyoming clinched, and, and, and JoeIdle.com has this. The Harbins will come out at some point today, but he's always spot on, and that's where we're getting these ratings from as we speak. Wyoming has already clinched a home game for yes. the playoffs yeah. with still two games remaining. They do have Indian Hill, the final game. Indian Hill's number two. Clinton Massey, number three. Those are three really good teams. Three good teams. One, two, three right there. Uh, Roger Bacon is number seven. You know, I kind of gave up on them a little bit after they got beat uh, handily by Baden, 31-7. to But but uh, coming off a very nice win, and it's a Division five team they beat, but coming off a very nice win over a very good Cincinnati Hills Christian Academy yeah. team, 58-32. Uh, and they've got Norwood. Uh, which is winless, and I, I saw them, so that should be a win to get them to 8-1. And then Summit Country Day, which is undefeated, yeah. but I'm not so sure Roger Bacon, at least on paper, because uh, Country Day is a Division Five team. If, if you beat CHCA, I think you have a pretty good chance against Summit should, Country yeah, Day as well. Got a chance to be in. Like, I mean, that, look, that that's a team that, again, you give yourself a chance because you have a Division One high-level running back. Corey Kiner. Yes. I've not seen him. Have you gotten a chance to yes, see him? Yes, he, okay. he's, he's everything that's that, what that he's hyped up to yeah, be. That's what everybody tells me. Uh, Bethel Tate, by the way, in that division is action. Division four, Region sixteen. They sit at number eight. They were upset by Blanchester this past Friday, thirty to twenty-four. And for Bethel Tate, left on the schedule are two four and four Division six teams, Williamsburg and Fayetteville. Not going to get a ton of second level because of that, and and the margin between them and the team behind them, Valley View, is small. It's a big drop off to number ten, three and five, McNick. Um, Bethel Tate obviously is going to have to win both games, and even then, depending on what Valley View does, uh, still might be in a tough spot. So that loss for Bethel Tate, unfortunately for them, to Blanchester really put them up against the eight ball. Yeah. In Division Five, Region Twenty, Taft has ascended to number one. Um, I really like the Senators. I think they they they've got a nice team. Uh, they're athletic. They're 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 physically strong. They got a pretty good quarterback. Um, they, you know, their defense has been great. Their last four games against Beechwood. Schroeder, Hughes, which we just talked about mm-hmm. a moment ago, and West High. And granted, Schroeder and West High are not great teams, but Beachwood is starting to get on a roll in Northern Kentucky as we expected they would. Yes, they've given up nine points in their last four games. The that's only loss for terrible. Taft this year, yeah, the only loss for Taft this year was twenty-eight nothing to Wyoming. So that's it, and they're a, a division ahead of them. Elsewhere in that division, Summit Country Day sits at number number five. CHCA sits at number six. I'm ninety-nine point nine percent sure they play each other this week, and they do. It's at CHCA, so that's a big game for both of. Opportunity, yes. Because of the second level points. And uh, Madeira sits at number seven, still very much, but it's a big jumble between Madeira at seven, then Greenan, Middletown Madison, Blanchester, which just got mm-hmm. that win over Bethel Tate, and Marymont. So a lot still to be shaken out in the last couple of weeks in that. Running, running still, um, fighting. Let's see where they're at. Where would you guess they are in the Harbins this week, Tony? Well, are they mathematically eliminated? They are. Hang on, let me look. They Nin- are technically, it, it says that they are not. Yes. That's incredible to me. Hang what on. are they, 19? They must do. They have Indian Hill and Wyoming left? Who do they got left? I know. I think they have Indian they, Hill. No, they have Madeira and Deer Park, 6-2 okay. and 5-3. and three. You're saying there's a chance. I'm saying there's a slim chance. Great. But, uh, yeah, not officially mathematically eliminated yet. In Division 6, Region 24, <laughs> not a lot of local teams. In fact, as I look, we have zero local teams. So we will move on from that to that division. To Division 7, Region 28, where New Miami is clearly number one. Cincinnati College Prep still math is still in a spot to mathematically be a, a home team for the first round of the playoffs. They sit at number four. 
Uh, the only other team with a small chance would be Lachlan. They're not mathematically eliminated, but they sit at number 11, so on the outside looking in. In Northern Kentucky, uh, Covcath beat Highlands last week 13 to nothing After in the, the showdown. After the win, yeah. I think, that was, I think people were looking at that and going, how did you not beat Highlands more handily? I think there's a couple things involved. Hey, Highlands is really good defensively. Right. My guy Bryson Huddleston, who's going to Eastern Michigan, a linebacker who's a really good player. Um, I think the other thing, too, and this is going to sound like an excuse, but, but I, I get it. Those two teams will probably meet again in the playoffs, and mm-hmm. both of them know it. So, how much do you think they showed each other for this game? I don't think you do at all. I mean, I, right? I think I think, and, and when you get into that, Cuffcast a better team on paper, yes. so that's why they yes. win. I mean, their defense is great, but, even if you were showing things, right? right? But if, if I'm Highlands going into that game, I wouldn't show anything. I would say, look, we're, we know we're going to probably see them again. Let, let's not give away too much. Let's yeah. keep it pretty vanilla. Yeah, I, I, I get it. And, and why, I can see Cuffcat doing the same thing. And that's why you see two right. good defenses not against two offenses not showing much right. and why you got kind of a preseason football score of yep. 13 to nothing. So, Correct. Uh, Cuffcat will conclude its regular season this week. They play a one-loss Connor team, which actually did beat Highlands 20-17, to 17, but against Northern Kentucky competition, the, the, the closest game so far has been Highlands. They've got I believe, because they've got eight of their wins against Northern Kentucky, or seven of their wins against Northern Kentucky, one against LaSalle, one against Lexington Catholic. Lexington Catholic's the only yeah. team that scored in double digits not on gonna them. not going to be close. Um, I don't think it is either. And Connors had, Connors had a good year. Jared Dix is a good quarterback. Their yep. defense has been good. Kudos to them for the win over Highlands. But to me, Covcath still is just on another complete, yeah. utter stratosphere. 100%. For goodness sakes. All right. Your wood's getting better. The wood's getting much better. Good win yeah. over Lloyd. I thought I, I saw Lloyd against Connor earlier. Yeah. He did a TV game on Star 64. Doing off the top of my head, I think it was twenty four to twelve. Got Cam's getting it done. Yeah, Cam Hergett's starting to get it done. They're starting to get some some guys healthy. The defense has played great. Yeah. Uh, starting to get a little more out of the running game. And you kind of thought this, right? And now suddenly people are looking, going, "All right, they probably aren't good enough to win two A in Kentucky." But be a I, I don't think people want to face them as things go along in two right. A in Kentucky. Their last two games, they play an improved Newport, but I think Newport is a notch below Lloyd even. So. Yep. That gets them to, they'll end up being a, a, a one seed in their district. They've got Newcath out of district the last week of the, the regular season. Mm-hmm. Chance to maybe take a five-game winning streak into the postseason. Yeah. And I, I have to, i got to shout out one of my guys, uh, Garrett Unit Lawrenceburg. I mean, Lawrenceburg started They're, the season. The only loss is right, to East Central. Tough game against East Central. They're they, in the playoffs They this played week. well against East Central. Uh, yeah, in 30, the first half. Yeah, 31 to 12 was the final, but it yeah. was, was close in the, at halftime. Yeah. It was close. Close at the half. And, and Garrett Yoon, the sophomore quarterback this past week, 406 yards, six touchdowns. Wow. And his brother, Gavin, who was out for the first six games, three touchdowns, over 200 yards receiving. They have a combination because of uh, Gavin's injury that a lot of young receivers have stepped up. They have a talented receiving core, and they haven't had to throw the ball much this year. They're more than capable. Lawrenceburg. Is a team that can legit make a make a run at no a, question. A, a state and, championship, and they would not face East Central because East Central's a four A, Lordsburg's a three A, so they're in two different classifications. Yep. Um, yeah, I think both teams have a great chance to yes. make a run over there. Yep, and it starts actually this week, the playoffs in, in Indiana. All right, when we come back, it's our final segment. We'll talk NFL. We have to do that this, and week. we have to lump the Bengals into the NFL somehow, somewhere. I'm not sure they're lumped Are into they the an NFL, NFL team. I got questions for you on quarterback changes and when oh. they should come. <laughs> on what you would do as a teammate with Cordy Glenn should he return, and what they can do to make this offense do something of note as we roll along this season. All right, we continue. I'm Richard Skinner. He's Tony Pike. It's the Angry Quarterbacks podcast from the James Rapine Memorial Studio and your friends at ESP Media. Are you looking to produce your own podcast? ESP Media has state-of-the-art audio and video production studios available for you. 
Our studio rental rates are the most competitive in town. Contact us today at sales at ESPMediaSN.com or 513-655-4966. That's 513-655-4966. It's your podcast. We just produce it. Welcome back into segment three of the Angry Quarterbacks podcast. In segment one, we talked a lot of college football, including Tony's 2009 UC team being inducted to the Hall of Fame and what that meant to, to him and to that group that came back. And I thought it was actually a very interesting conversation, and Tony with some great insight on that. We talked a lot of high school football, which Tony and I both enjoy quite a lot in the last segment. And now we come to the segment where we like to scratch our eyeballs out and try to find answers where the answers may not come as we talk some NFL and Bengals. Yeah. All right, I'm going to start with the Cordy Glenn situation first and foremost. Uh, last week, Wednesday, Cordy Glenn's cleared to practice. Mm-hmm. By an independent neurologist which who has no ties to the team that, that, or the that, player. That is correct. I don't know this for a fact, but gathering information, I know that Cordy leading up to that had had multiple opinions in which multiple independent neurologists had cleared him, and the yes. Bengals had kept letting him go have multiple extra mm-hmm. opinions. And that's fine. I, I have I, Look, I think anybody in life, if you have something medically diagnosed, mm-hmm. go get another opinion. Yeah. Go get another opinion. But eventually, in this case, where a guy is clearly showing you, because it was self-diagnosed. It was, right. it was it I heard self-reporting. Dave, I heard Dave Lapham say last night on Bengals line that he, Dan, Dave has heard that it happened in a practice. Okay. After. So, I mean, I mean, this is like a... Okay, so whenever it happened, that's... Right. Okay, it, Week two of the let, preseason. Let's assume for the fact that it happened. Mm-hmm. Okay, I can't tell you that it did not happen. Right? I don't... I never remember it happening. It was not reported in either of the two preseason games. Right. Okay. So if it, we're going to stand for the right. premise of we believe you suffered a concussion. Yeah. But after how many opinions does it come to the point where the team finally does say, mm-hmm. as it did, you're cleared to practice? Because as you may recall, and I don't have the dots to connect here, there was a week, I th- believe leading up to Pittsburgh. Don't quote me on that, but I'm going to run with that for just a second. I believe the week leading up to Pittsburgh – he practiced limited with a helmet right. for three straight days. Mm-hmm. For those that don't understand, limited means usually you either got hurt in the practice, right. which this didn't happen, or you're coming back from something, which he is, and you take part in position drills. So mm-hmm. you're working on blocking technique, you're right. working on some things, you stretch, you do that stuff. But when it comes to the team session, the 11-on-11 11 11 stuff, you don't participate right. in that. So you're limited in your participation. So we did that for three straight days. Mm-hmm. Seemed like all systems were go. Yep. We come back, the walkthrough after the Pittsburgh game on a Monday. They, they, they had a walkthrough practice on Wednesday instead of a full practice. He's not there. Raised a little red flag. He's getting tests. Mm-hmm. Not there on Thursday. He's getting tests. Right. On Friday, hey, where's Cordy? Well, he's out of town getting tests. Okay. Right. Getting another opinion, right? Yep. Finally, he gets cleared on Wednesday. Looks like all systems are go. Finally, Cordy's back. Took a and, long time. And, and, to make, and, and just to make people aware, NFL practices, it's not like you're banging for two hours. Correct. It, it's a it's ninety minutes. Usually. It's not a physical practice anymore during right. the season. Right. So he's not out there button heads with with guys in the Oklahoma drill or now, stuff like that. Now, when I saw him on Wednesday, and our 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 ability as media to watch practice is limited to basically those position drills. Mm-hmm. Um, and I get it; they don't want us stealing secrets. Right. We're not yeah. going to, but I I get it. Yeah, um, it's part of the game. Cordy's body language sucked. Yep. So I'm surmising, and again, I'm surmising through some conversations that Jim Turner, the offensive line coach, had enough. Yeah. You're dogging it through my practice. You're back. You're on this team. You're on this practice field. Wake up. Get your ass in gear and go. Mm-hmm. And that's where, obviously, the argument ensued. He doesn't show up the next day. They end up suspending him for a game. So now we're at the stage of he's back on the 53-man roster effective yesterday. It, it, it's a procedural move, yeah. something they had to do. 
Zach Taylor was very non-committal about where things stood moving forward yep. with Cordy yesterday's press conference and uh, said we'll take it day by day. So tomorrow is the first day of the next week. Today's an off day mm-hmm. for players as we do this podcast. It's Tuesday. That's a normal. It's not the Bengals giving a day off. That's the right. NFL rule. They get the Tuesday off. So Wednesday they're back at practice. I saw Cordy Glenn at the facility yesterday, actually. As I was walking out, he was on his cell phone, and then I actually somehow, I hope he didn't think I was following him. I actually followed him all the way up into Park Hills, and he mm-hmm. made a left, and I kept going on Dixie Highway. So anyway, it was kind of a little bizarre circumstance. What do they do with him? And as a it's teammate, a, how do you accept? Do you can you accept him back? Probably knowing that Cordy has jaked this for a handful of weeks to make some money. I don't think you can. I don't I, either. I think he's isolated himself around yes. the team. And here's what's the interesting situ- situation: Cordy Glenn wants to be cut because then he's owed money. That's right. No, that and that's the thing. If you release him, yeah, they already they have they're on the hook for all of his contract right. for this year. He will have gotten right. exactly what he wanted, which is right. I don't so, want to play, but I want to get paid. So he's either. A cancer to the team on an 0 17, which you don't need any more of that. You. And, and I will say this. Or he gets his way and you got to pay him. Yeah, Zach Taylor's done a pretty good job, at least so far, of keeping guys in that locker room believing and not fracturing. Yeah. Well, he doesn't have to worry about holding the challenge flag in the game so he can worry about other things. That's right. <laughs> the Crossfeld has that. He can't get it out of his pants. Yes. Um, yeah, I, I don't. That's the thing for me is I don't know how you accept him back. I also don't know how you can it's, it's, let it, him get his way. At this point, it's a lose lose. I think the only thing you can do is find whatever taker will take yeah, him. Yeah, if you can at this point if you can get a fourth or a fifth round pick, you have to. I don't care to. what you get. If you get a yeah. seventh round pick, yes, you do it. Yes, you have to move him. That, and, that, that and, that's the only logical explanation and, right now. And I've heard people that, that I've brought that up to that say, "Well, who's going to want him?" Listen, man, there's in, teams in, that want yeah, offensive linemen. Listen, in this league where left tackle is at a premium, yep. Cordy Glenn, you know, Now there has to be guarantees with that that yes, he's going to play yes, and all that stuff. Agreed. But, yeah, he that's the only way. That's the only way this works. Because if not, he's a cancer to the team, or he gets exactly what he wants, and you're on the hook for all this money. Yeah, it's a bad situation. Is there another alternative? I don't even know what another alternative would be. I don't even know be. another alternative that would work. Th- right. Those are the only options I know of. I mean, could you could you go to leaders in that locker room and say, "Listen, Cordy says he wants back. We're, we're going to bring him back and play him." Can but you- I don't. I don't think you can genuinely feel that he wants back. I agree with you. I, I don't think. I'm I just trying to figure different I ways out of this. I wouldn't, as a coach or player right now, trust him to be out there blocking, because I don't think he wants to be there. I, no, no. And if I, that's the I, case, I then you're you. putting other guys in a bad situation. So I want to play with guys that want to be here. All right. So if if push came to shove, let's say you can't work out a trade. Do you just have to cut him just yeah. because, or do you do you leave him on your roster, making him inactive every week? Well, I, I think doing, if you, you're still doing what you're doing, you're I think if you want to make a statement, you can and say, "Look, you're not getting. We're, we're not just getting." Or, or, and I don't know. I, 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 and I should know this, and I don't. So I ask you as a former player. Let's say he goes out, and you say, "You know what? I'm going to watch him practice." Mm-hmm. And again, he dogs it, and the coach is in his ass. Yep. And the reaction is bad. Can you do anything procedurally to to suspend the guy again? I don't I don't think so. Just on based on how he's practicing now. If he were to say certain things, or maybe you could find a way around that. But other than that, I th- I think you're you're just in a situation where you're stuck. Because at least that way you're you're getting a paycheck. You're getting his paycheck from right. Him. You're getting something, but man, it it it's it's a hard situation for a bad team and for a look. I, I said this. Here's, for, the, here's for, the other thing, too. I, 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 I'm going to cut you off for a second. Here's the other thing, too. Concussions are real, man. Okay, they're, they're real. But but what he's done, he has now gamed the system to where yep. now you look at other guys who are out for multiple weeks and go, huh, he doesn't right. want to play. He's just gaming the system. And on the opposite, I watched a guy where it looked like his eyes rolled back in his Alex head, and Erickson. Alex Erickson 
missed four days and came back and he had 136 receiving it's, yards or yes, something. Yes. Like it, it, and everybody's just, different. But yeah, yeah. It's just not a good look. No, it's not. And, and, and it's not – here's the problem. We talked about this on – someone from the organization should be talking about Cordy Glenn or A.J. Green. Mm-hmm. Look at everything that's on Zach Taylor's plate right now. Oh, my goodness. Other than – so you come in, your top draft pick is out for the year. Yep. You're on a you're on a roster where the organization has done nothing for you. Your best player gets hurt. In your your best players practice. hurt. You have now the Cordy Glenn situation. Again, you have a roster that's depleted. You have an organization that's not willing to make the roster any better. And now you're asked to handle. Oh, oh by the way, calling offensive plays, managing that. I mean, when Sean McVay took over for the Rams, they had a rookie quarterback so they could build around him yep. and get the players. And they went and got Wade Phillips. Who Sean McVay on a Wednesday, if Sean McVay had a question, he can go to Wade Phillips and say, "What do you think?" Yep. Who right now can Zach Taylor go to in that, other than maybe Darren Simmons, maybe. and say, "Hey, I need some advice." Right. right. And and I think too, look, everyone like not everyone gets a free pass anymore. Jim Turner, like this team is historically bad running the ball. There's been two guys retire. Cordy Glenn situation, he shouldn't get a free pass either anymore. No, I, I, I don't disagree this is a, that. This was a bad offensive line last year with Joe Mixon leading the AFC in rushing. And now we, Andy Dalton throws more interceptions than honest, combined I, rushing yards with Dalton or with Mixon and, and Bernard. I thought Frank Pollock, <coughs> excuse me, I thought Frank Pollock did a great job with yes. the line last year. Yes, I agree 100%. And I get bringing in your own guy, but your own guy is not getting it. His guys are not getting it done. All right. So let's move, before we move on to when it's time to pull the starting quarterback in favor of the young mm-hmm. guy. We'll get to that. <clears throat> Excuse me. I'm getting choked up for the Bengals, well, we, I we, we asked Brian Callahan yesterday. We got a chance to talk to him after mm-hmm. the press conference. We always have a coordinator we get a chance to talk to each Monday. And we asked Zach. I asked him in the press conference, and a couple other people asked him about, you know, different personnel groupings that they can use. They're, they're very much wedded to this 11 personnel package, which is one yep. running back, one tight end, three wide receivers. And I say, I asked him, could, could you – could you look at using two tight ends more? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, somebody else asked about, you know, do you have to be wedded to the 11 personnel? We asked Brian Callahan. Brian told us that for them, this is their philosophy, and this is what they want to do, and they want to set a tone of what they want to do moving forward. Well, you better get the pieces to do I, that. I get some of that. I do. But in the short term, I'm still trying to figure out what the hell you drafted Drew Sample to do. Oh, Drew Sample... Out of the drafted tight ends, has the least completions, least amount of yards, and he's the worst graded run blocker. Yeah, but but even aside from that, what 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 did you draft him right. to do? Correct. If What's the identity? Allowed, see, I thought they drafted him to have more two tight ends. Correct. To use one of them as a that's what it sounded guy. like. That's what their message was going forward when they drafted. Because all the questions, why'd you take Drew Sample in the second round? Yeah. Well, best blocking, and we're going to be this. I'll, I'll find that guy in the fifth round. Correct. I mean, I'll find that and, guy And you later. look at all the other tight ends that were drafted, and you do find that. Yes, yeah. That are actually impacting teams. Yeah, that, that's the part for me. I, so I'll ask you. You can't run it. So you have to start from the premise of you can't run it. Mm-hmm. All right, so then you got to figure out other things that you can do. I, I brought up the fact of, I asked Brian, could you use Andy on some more bootlegs to get him out and get more moving, moving parts? And he said, yeah, we did it a couple times Sunday, and it worked pretty effectively. Could you do that some more? I mean, I'm asking you as a former quarterback who's been there on offenses that struggled. I mean, you were on an offense that was yeah. struggling when you got in there. What are some things you can do to help? Let's let's talk about helping Andy Dalton first, and then we'll talk about the potential change at that position. Well, trying to, again, you, you have to 
find a way to to run the ball some point. And 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 some okay, of that. So, so can it can some of that run be off of short passes? Yes. Or off of screens. You have to you have to get of... into second and third manageables. And I'll put I'll put some of that on Zach Taylor. So on first and ten, when you get four yards, probably not the best idea to run a jet sweep reverse. When it's third and one, after your defense holds. A slow developing toss sweep to me is not the best option. My goodness gracious, that thing got swallowed yeah. whole. On second and one, when you're on the Jaguar side of the fifty, and you throw the ball, and then you throw it on third and one, like what? You're not helping. You're not helping Andy Dalton. So we always talk easy completions. We talk about getting ahead of the chains. The Bengals don't do any of that, and everything becomes tough now because they don't use Giovanni and and. One of the Jaguars players even came out and said, we can read when Joe Mix is in, yeah. they're not throwing to Joe Mixon. When 28's in, they're not throwing to When Giovanni Bernard's in, in yeah. they're going to throw it to yeah. him. So if they're seeing that, then other teams are seeing that. And it becomes, you're, you're really, you're, you're handcuffed. Because it's like, okay, they're not targeting Tyler Eifert. They're not targeting Uzama. They're not targeting Joe Mixon. So now as a defense, to me, it's pretty easy. Okay, if we're going to give up yards, who do we give them up to? And Jacksonville was we'll Alex Erickson. We'll give him up to number twelve. Right? Yes. So we're gonna we're gonna try to take Boyd out of the game. We're gonna try to take Auden Tate. If we give up yards, it's Alex Erickson because our offensive line's not good enough that teams have to put extra help in the box. Correct. Yeah. So that that becomes a problem. You know when when and that's why people talk about our defense. Our defense gives up two hundred rushing yards because this week we had two corners out there that hadn't played much, and you have to have safety help. So that leaves numbers in the box. Other teams don't have to bring a safety down in the box to stop our run game. So that's harder now to throw against seven guys. Well, and that, that, that's supposedly the advantage of using 11 personnel as well. Right. Is you, you're spreading Theoretically, the you're with, supposed with, to with be. three wides. Yeah, but, but they're, just, they're, they're not able to get ahead of the chains, whether that's penalties, whether that's... And again, people say sacks. He's been sacked two or less times in four of the last five. I mean, the Pittsburgh game's an outlier. Yeah, it is an outlier. But they're in the middle of the pack for quarterback pressures allowed. And I think some of that's quick passing yeah, games. But and I think too mentally it's gotten to Dalton. I because agree I, I think when you look at Dalton, if you watch around the league, you'll see a quarterback that'll start to the right and he'll reset to the middle and maybe even reset back to the left. Dalton doesn't reset. Right. If it's there, it's there. If it's not, it's probably being thrown now, now away. Zach, Zach was asked a specific question about mechanics, and that's some of the mechanics yeah. which you're talking. He said he hasn't seen a difference in his mechanics. Mechani- mechanics, I don't think it's different. I think the reads have been different. Okay. okay. Uh, so I think I think there's something to that. But for Andy Dalton, in your ninth year, to have this many red zone turnovers, and you go back to the fumble at Seattle, mm-hmm. or you go back to the red zone interception, day one of day one of running screens at any level. Quarterback is told if it's not there, throw it at the guy's feet. And, yeah, I, I and, and, I, mean, and I know I, I think he assumed that Gio yeah. was going to get out, and, and it, obviously John, yeah. John Jerry did a nice job to, to screen him. I, th- I thought that was right. a great screen, John Jerry set. Yep. I'm going to use it in my basketball practice. Yeah, the proper way to set a screen, yep. but because he set a great screen and it allowed that guy right. to go catch the but ball. But in that the other situation way. at 17-10, when you still have a chance to win that game, you have to be sure it's there, and if not, you just burn it. And, and I know it's Andy Dalton's getting a lot of pressure, and I know he's seen a lot of heat. I just at this point, to me, he's just missing too many throws. And I know they had some drops, but even the interceptions, like it's not like, hey, it's a 50-50 ball, I'm giving the guy a chance. No, the throw to Boyd was, was yeah. it was a nice play by Jack, but, but right. clearly it was and I know Boyd, behind. And I know Boyd dropped the, yeah, the long was, one, but, that, if, and, but if he and, leads... And he self-diagnosed. But, he, he but did, if he leads Tyler Boyd... Yeah. Here, here's my thing. 
You had one and, on one on a wide receiver and a linebacker right, in space. Right. Throw it out in front of him. Here and and, and my thing on the whole, I, I don't think Ryan Finley should start this week. Well, yeah, I'm going to get to that. Point. Nor nor do I. But here's my thing with Andy Dalton, and and I went to the game with Mo Egger, and we were talking about this in the fourth quarter. Could you name right now? five teams in the NFL that would take Andy Dalton over their quarterback right now based on their quarterback or based on the contract of their quarterback. And I couldn't. I said Tennessee because yeah. of the Mariota situation. Yeah, and they've got Ryan Tannehill, which is Andy Dalton light. Yeah, and other than that, what do you take him over Rosen and Fitzpatrick if you're Miami? If Chicago thinks it's a playoff right. game, but they're not going to give up on Mitch Trubisky right. either. So. Do you take the Washington when they just drafted Haskins? Haskins, right. like I, I couldn't I find, I couldn't find four teams in the league that I would say Andy Dalton would be that team starter. Now, if something happened and Mahomes was out longer, yes, that, maybe that, that would have been the hit. if if something happens this week, and I don't wish bad injuries on anyone, but if someone were to have an eight week concussion this week at quarterback yes. of a contending team, and we could get something for Dalton, I think best case scenario, everything should be on the but, table. Yeah, everything I, should be on. the I table. just I. After nine years, I just don't think that he is an elite-level quarterback. All right, so that, that lends you to say at some point this year you, you need to see Ryan Finley. You have to. And so when does that come, though? To me, it, it has to be after the bye. The first game after the yeah, bye. And people have said, well, it's got to be this week. No, no, I'm this, not, this week's not. I'm it, not making him. Say, this week's not going right. to happen. I'm and I'm not making right a quarterback travel to yes, London right. on a different week yeah. and prepare for Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey. The perfect time for me is maybe even Zach Taylor talking to Ryan Finley this week. And saying, look, if things are where they're at, we're going to give you a chance out of the bye. So now Ryan Finley you may mentally. you find out two games in, he's a disaster. And right. Go back to Andy again. Right. Now Ryan Finley mentally prepares. And you give him that bye week yes. to have that extra week to get ready and prepare like the starter. For, and a, then you, for a home game. For a home game. You're not in London. Against a team that you've already watched film on in Baltimore. Right. So yeah. you got, you got I, a couple of advantages. I honestly, I honestly think that it's the Baltimore game because you're 0-8. You're okay. coming out of a bye. And you have to, as an organization, Energize the see, fan base. And you have to energize the fan base. Yeah, you have to right energize the fan base. And you have to see, like, okay, is this a guy that can compete for a starting job or is he going to be a backup? Yeah. And you have to know, and that, that is playing Ryan Finley. And, and for the fan base you talk about, Joe Daneman tweeted out yesterday, 28 of the 32 teams in the NFL reported 90% capacity or higher the second worst is tampa at 84 percent Bengals are at 71 percent and it's not 71 percent that's reported correct that's reported correct so i mean you you gotta i don't know how you do it and dave lapham said it last night there's trades that need to be made but at the end of the day it's mike brown yeah and 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 you just don't see him doing something like that last week tony and it's pretty simple to me if if you want to get the fan base to cling to something it's not Ryan Finley is not something you're clinging to. It's something that's new and exciting. At least you can see it, right? What what you literally need to do, and I don't know why they find it to be this difficult, is you need to tell the fan base, here's the person in charge, yep. and here's how they're going to fix they it. They can't tell the fan base when they don't know who it is. They, and if they know who it is, it's somebody that's already in place that's already been part of the right. mess for 30 years. Right. So the, the problem becomes with this team, even if they were to do what we wanted and blow this thing up, Mm-hmm. Are we trusting the no. same group? And and this is the same no. group that decided Preston Brown was the guy. Yeah, he's I, the worst ranked defender. He's eighty third out of ninety linebackers, worst on the team. Uh, Bobby Hart, sixty seventh out of seventy seven tackles. These are the guys we decided to bring back. Tyler Eifert, minimal impact. C.J. Uzama, minimal impact. And I like those guys, but they're not being used. So the same guys that sat there and said 
This is where our money needs to go. This is where our money needs to go. Are they the same guys that are going to evaluate free agency? Are they the same guys that are going to evaluate top draft picks? Because if that's the case, that's the problem you have. Miami doesn't have that problem right now. Because Miami has all these picks stockpiled and then they have a direction. Yes. Other teams in the NFL, like, can you? I, I, and I, I know that this is so rhetorical the way I'm asking it. Why can't they do that? Why is know. it so hard to say, right. listen, we're going to run the team. It is still a family owned business. We are still going to have a, a, a finger in this. Right. But we clearly don't right. know what the F we're doing. John Dorsey's done that. Let's Mike Mayock has done that. Who does. Mike Mayock did it today. They sent a first round, a former first round pick to the Texans. The Texans oh, the had a quarterback de- Conley, yeah. the Texans had a deficiency in the secondary, yep. and they got a third round pick. And the Raiders said, "We're just giving younger guys a chance. We want to see what they can do." Okay, so you you see a deficiency and you attack it. Uh, the Rams, perfect example. The Rams say, "We want to win now." Well, they had a disgruntled guy in Marcus Peters, yes. and yes, you're traded for a disgruntled guy in Jalen Ramsey, but, but yeah. changes scenery. But now they Ramsey get Jalen Ramsey. Play nice. Ramsey. Helps the, the Rams immediately, and well, guess what? How about Baltimore? Well, Marcus how Peters, about, how, how about immediately. Baltimore? But guess what? Guess what happens for the Jaguars? They get a first-round pick in this year and the next yes. year. Yes. So it works for both sides. It can work for both sides. Marcus Peters helps Baltimore, but other teams get better, too. And then today, look. and, and Mohamed Sanu for a second-round pick. Mohamed Sanu got a, fetch ra- a, a second round. And so, for those that maybe don't know, he got traded to New England from, from Atlanta, the former yes, Bengals. New England. In a second-round pick. New England, who dominated means, Monday New night England football. New England needs nothing. Right. They need nothing. They have the best defense in football. They won 33 to nothing. And hours later, they trade for Mohamed Sanu, yeah. and they give up a second-round pick. And my question is, if the Bengals didn't come out so stubbornly and hard-headed and said, you know what, A.J. Green is not being traded. Would the Patriots have at least called? Absolutely. Would they have said, hey, what do you want? Because let me, I'll say this, and I don't think many teams give up a two for Muhammad Sanu, but there are teams in this league right now that have one deficiency, and they are one piece away from being a legitimate Super Bowl contender. The 49ers, dude. 49ers. AJ Green, and yes. I'm all in. I'm all in. 49ers. The Saints, if you match him with, with Michael Thomas and Kamara. Yes. Um, the, the Packers. With what Aaron Rodgers is doing. With, and, Although, like, honestly, maybe they don't need A.J. Green because it doesn't really matter who's correct. catching balls. But Jake, with, Jake Kumaro caught a yes, touchdown. But with A.J. Green. I know your point, yeah. Unbelievably. Right, right. Like, to that next level. And here's the kicker of all this. Th- this is the thing for me. If you are so dead set that A.J. Green is going to be a bangle, if I'm 0-8, I'm not playing him in the second half of the season anyway. So here's the deal. Trade him away and say, A.J., if you really want to be a bangle, we will work to re-sign you in the offseason. Because now, I get a possible first-round pick, and I, get him back. and I can bring A.J. back. No, I... What is wrong with that? Instead of just sitting him on the sideline, get something for him. Give the fan base a reason I wrote it, for I wrote, hope. I wrote it literally four weeks ago. It's not a right. hard... The concept is so easy. And you run the risk of A.J. seeing the grass is greener and sign him, but if he but does, I'm on a rebuilding great. process anyway, dude. Right. I'm in a rebuilding mode anyway. You can't pay him the type of money that he deserves. Why? I get, that's and a, if you do, then the you're telling the fan your fan base. base that we have no one in place that can logically say, you know what, at this time, paying A.J. Green that money doesn't make and sense. And I'm telling you, the, I've, I've been through this before. It's the same I've group that been, said Whitworth was done. I've been through this before. I've seen this organization start to tumble to rock bottom. Mm-hmm. Okay, The fan base ain't coming back this time. Correct. They're not. They're just not because you've given them nothing to cling to. Yep. You gave them Marvin Lewis to cling to. And I think Marvin wrestled a good chunk of 
uh, of power away. It was Mar- Marvin looks great after this. And there's a part of me that wonders, honestly, starting in 2017 where they took John Ross against Marvin Lewis's vice, that Marvin just at that point just went, yep. screw it. There's no there's no screw one Screw it. That, you guys do this. There's no one capitalizing more. I think it honestly might have started with Whitworth yes. of, you know what? Screw it. Yeah. You guys, you're not going to bring my left tackle back? We're, we're evaluating okay. that Whitworth isn't worth it anymore. I guarantee you Marvin didn't evaluate it. Correct. I guarantee you Marvin Owen didn't seven, evaluate that. Marvin Lewis looks gold right now. Because Marvin Lewis is sitting back and saying, I, I was around that organization for how long and, and I won. But that's, seen, that's I found my, ways my, to my win. My greatest fear is that Marvin wrestled enough control away yep. to where he's responsible for the success yep. of the playoff. And they'll never game. get it back. And then he lost, started losing that power a little bit to Duke Tobin and the family again, and guess where we're at? Yep. I mean, you start with that 2015 draft, ever since that draft, mm-hmm. and the decisions that have been made, which includes letting Andrew Whitworth walk. And the, and the, and the free agent made, signings. Cedric O'Boy, he played 65 snaps I the know, other day. Which is crazy. Now, some of it was the right tackle right. got hurt. But but he's graded 13 points ahead right now on the season than Bobby Hart, <laughs> who, you, who you decided to bring back. I mean, I, I it's, it is, to me, it's maddening. And here's here's the scary part. I grew up following this team. I've lived in Cincinnati my whole life. I watched two weeks ago or three weeks ago, I watched the Jets play the Cowboys. And I watched, if you didn't know those two teams' record, you would have thought you were watching a playoff game in New York. And New York hadn't won a game. Right. I watched the attendance around the league. There's still excitement around teams. What I saw Sunday at Paul Brown Stadium and the feeling around that, leading going into the fourth quarter, I would, I would say 70% of that stadium thought they would still lose. Yes. There's no confidence. And, and I, I equate it to what I do. Two years ago, if plays like what is going on on Sundays were to happen, I would get 40 or 50 text messages from friends. When the Bengals went forward on fourth and one and ran the Andy Dalton zone read, yes. I got one text. One. Because every, no one cares anymore. Because you have nothing. The thing is, all you want is something to cling to. Right. You don't have it. You have none of that. None I have I have people that I've and known. And I feel I don't I don't know if Zach Taylor can coach or not. I don't. And and, and that's fair because we look what he's been given. Right. He's been given the worst of every possible yes. situation to start. And again, and then you're trotting him out there. I mean, I'm asking him trade questions yesterday. Some other people asking him mm-hmm. trade questions. They're going to come up probably Wednesday. They're going to come up next Wednesday when we get a chance to talk to him after the buy and after the trade deadline. Yep. How's he going to answer these if he's not responsible for building this roster? Right. And who, that, who is? That was the question we had when you and I talked going into this whole situation. When you bring Zach Taylor in, one, are you bringing him in or getting power? Or are you bringing him in because he wants to be a head coach and Mike Brown and the organization can still control everything? I think the latter. Because now you look what's happened. You didn't surround him with a staff. You didn't surround him with a roster. You just said, oh, here's Zach Taylor. Let me parade him out here he's and hide McVay. the rest. He's from the Sean McVay tree. Yes. Yeah. Well, Sean McVay was given a lot of keys no, I know to that. the car. That, With Wade Phillips no, and the roster it, and the organization it, is fully behind Sean McVay and, the, and that roster because I know a, a very good source who's a friend of Sean McVay that knows that. They no. said, what do you need? What do you want to build around? And he has an input. I don't think Zach Taylor has an input. No, and I think the other part too is though it felt like this will tell you how much they didn't do their due diligence on that. And again, I don't know if Zach may eventually be one of the greatest head coaches in NFL. Bill Walsh started out 0-7 and yep. look where things went for Bill Walsh, right? Again, so I'm, pa- I'm not even passing judgment. But it was almost as if this guy somehow stood at the right hand of Sean McVay and all the great football knowledge was going to going to transform to him and then he was going to come in here no matter how bad the roster was and magically make things right. It don't work that way. Yep. 
It does not work that way. It is. What are you doing? And you want fans to still right. believe in your product? You're on. Wake up, old man. You're on a line right now, like you said. When they when they leave oh, this time, I think we need to go get some fudge cake. Yeah, pumpkin. Here's the thing: when the fan base leaves this time, like you said, they're not coming back. No, that, that's how that's how. But and again, I I use this all the time when I talk. 40, 50 people because people still cared. So a bad play, they'd be mad. Right. Now what do they do? They'll go outside. No, they'll, I, they'll watch another football you, you, game. You laugh at it almost. Right. And move on. Yeah. You and, don't even care anymore. And in today's day and age of red zone and direct TV and fantasy yep. football, and now the fact that you can drive to Hollywood Casino and make a wager on a game and have an interest in another game somewhere else, right? who are you watching? It's, it's, it's almost like it, it's maddening, and I go back to what the Patriots did today. It's incredible. The, the Patriots incredible. do a ton of good things, but what they do, they acquire during the draft draft capital. They make moves. They'll trade back in the draft. And they take the draft capital. And then they take the capital and they do what they did today. Because they get proven players with that capital. Right. They don't get prospects. It's similar to what Pittsburgh did this year. Yes. Because people said, well, why would, they, why would Pittsburgh give up a first-round pick? Because they gave it up for a proven player in yes. Minka Fitzpatrick. It's easy. The Ravens will give up draft capital to go get Marcus Peters because it's proven commodity. Right, I'll leave you with this because the next podcast we will do will actually be trade deadline day. And I, I guess I could rephrase it on that day, but it would be kind of oldish by the time it came out. In your opinion, do they make any, literally any move at all? No, because I, I, agree I with you. Because I don't believe that Mike Brown will change. And if it's not, if it's not now, when this is rock bottom, you are the you are one of the maybe the worst team in the NFL. We'll see against the Dolphins. But, but the Dolphins, but, you have. You, you, but the Dolphins, Dolphins have given their fan base something to cling yes. to, which is the future in those picks. Right. So the fan base is turning. The fan base is leaving. This team is in desperate need of something. And you everybody's head is in the you sand. You can't win. If you don't do something this year, when it's this bad, then you are giving the the word that you're never going to do anything. Right. And when you tell a fan base that, I'll go who day to who dat. It's right. not a big change. Right. I'll just start saying who dat. It's a good call. Like the culture, the culture, the Colts lost Andrew Luck this year. Mm-hmm. They and, still and might win the winning. division. They still might win the division. They went to Kansas City and they won. They beat Houston. Like they have reason for hope because they got a great head coach. They got the offensive line. They've made the right picks. They've made some great picks in the last couple of years. Like there, there's there's ways to do it correctly, and then there's the Bengals' way to do it, and the Bengals stubbornly don't change it. No, it's unfortunate. And that, that that's the problem going forward. It'll never change. All right, let's look around the NFL um, for the for the Chiefs. Um, I think people were wondering, would they make a move in the short term to help at quarterback? And and, and That's best-case scenario they got back. They got best-case scenario. I guess the thing is, can they survive the handful of games without him? And I would say probably survive. They're not going to yeah. win probably all, if it's three, which it sounds like right. it is. I, I still think seeing the Raiders lose this week, yeah, they the really char- don't the char- have, yeah. the Chargers haven't they don't have a legit threat. If I'm them, I'm resting them until I have to. Yeah, I agree with that. And there was even talk going into the game he got hurt that he should rest on the ankle anyway. Right. But, man, but how about... The officiating, and now the NFL not having Pat Mahomes for three weeks. Yeah, that's a yeah, but but now you got Aaron Rodgers star power back. Oh I mean, yeah, how about that performance? I sat him in fantasy this week. Did you really? Well, I have him and Josh Allen. Josh Allen was going against the Dolphins. Rodgers has done nothing. I sat him. Well, how about me? I I've got Matt Ryan, who's got me garbage points. Oh, on top he got of you two point six this me, week. Got me negative one yeah. in the league. I'm in. Yikes. And I have Matthew Stafford, who threw what five touchdowns for yep. him to Marvin Jones. He got thirty. It yeah. cost me a win. So yep. yeah, those, that's always those are always fun decisions. I think, to, to make. I think Packers look legit, and and you you can you can harp on them all you want. Lamar Jackson going to Seattle, and that team getting Marcus no, I, Peters. I, I, I'll give you that. 
They they're a team. At, you, you know what? You know what the thing is with I, the Ravens. At least I know what they are. They they know what they are. I, I said that last, the, yep. the week of that game. They they this, their identity is we're going to line up, play power football. Lamar Jackson use our is a tight ends. Athlete, use our tight ends. When Hollywood Brown is healthy and available, yep. we'll take, take a deep shots. shots with him. Our defense isn't great, but it's still pretty good, and we've added a great piece now in Marcus Peters. Yep. Um, it's what good Novel teams concepts. do. It's what good teams do. Novel it's why concepts. the Ravens are consistently in the hunt. It's why the Steelers are consistently in the hunt. It's why New England's consistently yep. in the hunt. It's, it's why just, Kansas City's been consistently in the hunt. It's why New Orleans is consistently in yep. the hunt. It's just Manning. New Orleans has survived losing a Hall of Fame quarterback, dude. You know what's Manning Not about? Not they survived it. They haven't lost. You know what's Manning about all the teams you just listed? They're all still trying to get better. Yes. They all still want to make moves at the deadline. The Bengals are being loyal to A.J. Green. Wonderful. Yeah. That's peachy. They all still... You can be loyal and let him go win a title and re-sign him I, if you want to be loyal. I... It's it's not hard. Look at the... Like, it, 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 it's, it's so frustrating to watch. Like, even though the 49ers went through a tough time, there was a plan. Well, they, they, fi- the, they finally put a GM in there right. that, that, that you could maybe believe And they've went and got the pieces. It. They've gotten the pieces. He's done a great job. And they're going to make a move. Like, again, if you're an NFL team and you saw Sanu for a second, Emmanuel Sanders and A.J. Green <laughs> should be at, they're, they're at the top of every team's list. Absolutely. Just And, again, you don't have to trade him, but you have to be open to the concept of trading yeah, him. Yeah, you can't keep saying we're not trading right. that guy. That's a, you that's can come out and say, look, we had people offer a third-round pick and we didn't want to give up a third round for A.J. Green. And if you do that, at least you say, well, we listened. But right now, you've given away that you're not listening. And I'll be honest, I, the, the, I, I, like, I really personally like Zach Taylor. I like dealing with him as a media member. I th- yep. To his credit, he's not he's, he's, actually a, he's actually a human being. He's actually, a, yep. I think, a decent human being. So I have to start with that point to tell you that I like that. Yeah. But the more he is now talking, it, it's almost he's talking in terms of finding that singular win this year to cling to and yeah. that there will be nirvana and a celebration. And I even said to one of the media relations people on Sunday as we sat there having, having lunch before the game in the dining room, I said, I said, uh, do you guys have the champagne ready for today? Mm. And he kind of gr- grimaced. I said, that's what it feels like that the second you guys win a game that it's almost yep. like you've accomplished something great. Yeah. No, you haven't. Right. You won a singular game. Yep. Bully for you. Worst case scenario is them winning like four games yes, this year. Worst case scenario. Like and 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 two of those being down the stretch. No, it needs. Then to it's be. like, oh, we can, there's hope for next year because we we figured things out. Wait till, wait till Emmanuel Sanders gets traded this year. Wait till one team gives up like a first and a third or first and a fourth. And you've clung to AJ Green. Yes. Unbelievable. It's maddening. All right, Tony. Appreciate it as always. Enjoyed it. Really enjoyed the segment where you guys got a chance to talk about the, the Hall of Fame. Oh, yeah. That's still very cool for you guys. And uh, congratulations. All right, for uh, executive producer Rob Ebel and Tony Pike, I'm Richard Skinner. This has been the Angry Quarterbacks from the James Rapine Memorial Studio in ESP Media.